Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Gojmo. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. Artist, poet, comedian, teacher, brother from another mother, and father. We're not actually related in any way. It's Moody Black! Yay! Moody Black! <laughs> what's going on, man? Man, what's happening? What's crack-a-lacking, man? It's an honor to be here, bro. It's an honor to be here. Man. I've been looking forward to having you on, man. It's uh, so uh, you know. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right into it. How do we know each other? Comedy, man. Yes. I, I do. I do a little comedy, man. You know. You know. Try, try to be like you, greats. One day, you know. Let me ask you, what came first for you, comedy or poetry? Drawing and painting. People, I'm, I'm really? a visual, I'm a visual artist. Man, yeah, that's fascinating. Then the poetry came, but even when I got to be a professional poet. I always had inserted comedy in my routines. I'm always telling jokes, funny stories before I get to. to a poem. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely So have I was to. doing it for years. I'm like, well, I always want to do it. Let me just put some sets together and put some stuff together. Yeah. Because I've been doing it. I mean, plus, I, I MC and host events all the time. So I'm always, when I'm just, when I'm not performing, I'm just hosting, I'm telling jokes and riffing off the crowd, you know. Of course. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, let's just do this. Let's just do it. Have you, have you attempted with visual, with your visual arts? history um have you considered putting together your own your own book i'm on book people fussing me all the time especially these other poets like i've been published in other uh, anthologies other books but i have not had my own book yet and uh so but i'm like i don't want to write a regular poetry book because it's thousands of poetry books especially i mean just it's just now in the online community everybody's pushing their book i'm like i don't want to just do a regular poetry book i got a bunch of books of poets I've collected, I'm like, oh, I yeah. read them, but I'm like, eh. So I want to do something different. I don't know exactly what that is yet, what that looks mm. like. I don't, some people say I should tell my story. Uh, I, I thought about just kind of just doing some um, some thought-provoking things, maybe add a poem or two here and there, you know, just incorporate a, a multitude of things. I don't know. I, I'm still working on that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've, I've come to the realization for myself that, you know, doing what everybody else thinks you ought to do is rarely a good idea right. or what you actually should do. Um, so, yeah, you know, let things sort of fall into place. Like when it's, first of all, when the time's right, the time is right. Right. And when that time is right, it'll be very obvious what you're supposed to do. Right. And that's what I'm waiting on, that feeling, that sign. Yeah. You know? I, my wife's my wife's been getting into more um, uh, the journey within and just sort of exploring... Um, true happiness and you know following your following your goals but also not ignoring the path of least resistance like your natural your natural talents and where your soul is and where your soul wants to go so kind of in terms of comedy when presented with hey would you like to perform at 
this place and this time. If it's if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Mm. Of just like that's not right for me at this time. So I'm gonna have to pass. I can re- I can recommend you. I can re- I can I can give you. I got a Rolodex for full of re- referrals, right. but it's just just not right for me at this time. You know, I had a dozen different ideas for podcasts, but when the Star Trek one came along, it was just kind of like, yeah, like <laughs> I can cover all of it. And that was, that was, you know, being able to do the podcast, I've been on podcasts for, for years before I started my own, but it was kind of like, okay, how, how am I going to talk about something over and over and over again for the conceivable future? Like with any sort of longevity, right? Star Trek just celebrated 800 episodes. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, in a good <laughs> that's, way. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is a crazy <laughs> amount of content. Like, okay, I think we've got a starting point with yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> it's like before Star Trek, I was a Batman fan. Really? From My way best back. Friend loves Batman. I'm a Spider Man. Spider Man. I'm with Marvel. Hey, you know what? Because that I was thinking about that the other day. If somebody asked me, okay, you know, if I'm on the stand, hand on a Bible. And first question in front of a judge and jury, okay, Marvel or DC? I'd have to say Marvel, but my favorite character is Batman. And I like Batman, man. He's For him not to have all these superpowers, man. But yeah. This dude's intelligent, definitely strong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he, he, I love how he thinks ahead. He, he has contingencies. And it's so weird that his mental hang-ups are kind of what the whole persona of Batman kind of hang on. Mm-hmm. As soon as he deals with his parents' death, Batman ceases to exist. Right. So he has to stay, stay in, in pain. It. That's crazy, though. That is bonkers. Oh, especially in this age where we're hyper aware of mental health and and all of these things, for a character's success at protecting the people of the city and sometimes the citizens of the world, like he has to stay in that. That's Mental a great poem right there, man. That's a good poem. Yeah? But but think about all the heroes. They have something. It's some kind of hang-up they have Very that true. makes them do that. You know? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, Superman. The he, he is, He's the immigrant. He is the immigrant he no immigrant. <laughs> yeah, he has no home. Um, anyways, we're diverting away. So um, we talked a little bit before we got started about where comedy and poetry intersect. Mm. What skills once you got into so did you say comedy or oh uh, so po- they po- po- you, both yeah kind of around the same so, time yeah, yeah you integrated yeah. the comedy the into the poetry, the poetry. Yes. okay so being that um, poetry and stand up comedy traditional stand up comedy are two different things mm-hmm. but there is a lot of overlap it is what would you say are like the big three big five Big one areas that overlap for both comedy and poetry. Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Yeah. Um, when I decided to, to test the water, my first start going, I was already doing Carpenter Underground on Sunday. When I came on Monday to try some things out, my first night I was really, really nervous. And Jack, shout out to Jazz Gill, she put me aside. She said, Moody, you, you, you do this. You perform all the time. You halfway there already. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not just go be funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, so the big thing is just make sure you're comfortable on stage. And I love performing. I love being on the stage. But I separated when I started just, just solely putting the set together. I'm just nervous, you know. And I, I can tell. I can feel it. I can feel I'm not comfortable yet. Right. And I had to realize, you know what, man? You, you do this. What, what are you doing? I had to smack myself in the face. What are you doing? Just be comfortable. <laughs> be you. And that's the thing I had to really work with through my tenure, just doing comedy separately, you mm. know. So just having, being, being comfortable on stage, uh, being yourself, and just relax. 
Yeah. You know, just, just to relax and have a good time. Because I feel like it certainly conveys confidence. Yes. But it's it's more of, you know, comedy, We because I've not ventured into poetry, so <laughs> I, will, I will refrain from, comment, from commenting on nah, how poetry works. But for comedy, it's been my experience and my observation that if you don't present the material well enough, it could be the best crafted joke in the world. It's not going to land. If you're not confident in what you're saying, in the ideas that you're presenting, if you're not on board, neither is the audience. Right. So you kind of have to go up there with some conviction and that confidence to grab that mic. Okay, here's my thoughts about X. And right. I'm going to take you on this journey. You're going to come with me. You're going to hear these thoughts. You're going to think about it. It's going to be fresh. Uh, I'm going to present you with this new perspective. And hopefully it hits you funny. Right. Maybe, maybe not sad. Like I've, I've seen enough comedians that go up there and present their thoughts, and people just feel sorry for them. Oh of wow! Like, of like, oh, this person's broken. <laughs> wow. Like, that's why my wife can't watch comedy. Really? She can't watch. She'll she, if I say, hey, I've got a show. It's kind of a big deal. I'd really like you to be there. She will be there. Maybe not front row, but maybe like a couple rows back. <laughs> but she is there in my corner, no matter what. Right, right, right. But if I'm like. Hey, let's watch the new let's let's watch the new uh, Sarah Silverman or let's watch the new Burt Kreischer or who, whoever it is. Burt is crazy. I love Burt. <laughs> I love Burt so much. <laughs> he's crazy. Oh my god. Um, but she, yeah, she's not down. She really. She, and I said, and I it it bothered me for a little while, and I had to say, why? Why don't you like? I mean, we've gone to Comedy Zone. We've gone to the Peace Center and watched A list comedy celebrities do their thing, and she's had a good time. And I said, you know, why don't you like comedy? She goes. Because it just shows me how they're thinking their trains of thought. And more often than not, it's really sad. And I was like, that's ooh, truer than you probably realize. <laughs> but she, she wouldn't come to a poetry night then. Nah. Well, she, the, the times that she has come to the poetry night, she's had a blast. And unfortunately, her schedule doesn't allow her to go really? to all of them. And of course, COVID. And she's, right. she's super aware. Since we got COVID, she's super uh, careful about not getting it again. Right. I, um, I can understand it. But yeah, you know, her saying like, yeah, more often than not, it just comes off as sad. And I was like, I, that must have been in the back of my head too. But like, <laughs> it was not brought to the surface like that. Just, yeah, it comes off as sad. So you end up looking at, I mean, look at guys like Neil Brennan. Look at guys like Mark Marin. Um, people who have endured, you know, Tignataro. Maria Bamford, look at their, you know, their comedic geniuses, and I love all of them, but look at the stuff they've had to overcome in their lives, you know, to yeah. to to draw from. You know, they've they've been able to take these hard things in their lives and present it to others to brighten their day, which is saintly, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it's it's some dark some darkness, some sadness, like some some trauma, right. you know, but you know, how do you how do you make diamonds? Pressure. Pressure. But it's not. But having this discussion made me realize how similar comedy and poetry is. Because a lot of poets, they're really broken. They, they're, right. they're, they're going through whatever. They got traumas, what have you, and they get on stage and it all out. Only difference, <clears throat> just listening. I'm like, at least with a poem, I do is just perform a poem and I'm out. 
Yeah. But comedy, you got to really, it's a saying of one of my good friends in poetry, Jabu, shout out Jabu. He told me when I was coaching the slam to be competing, and he, he reminded all of, us, all of us that you just have to be the most convincing. Mm. And that's the same in comedy, but here's a, here's a, here's a stretch though. With comedy though, you got to really win people over because people come in to hear a poem, okay, this person's going to perform this poem, we're cool. Yeah. Comedy, how you going to make me laugh? Yeah. yeah. It is a very, <laughs> like, yeah. I am here for one thing. Right. With poetry, I, I can give you anything and they're going to digest this, whatever. Yeah. They're they going to feel, okay, I feel it, I don't feel it. Comedy, make me laugh. Make me laugh. Make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's like, that's like you said, that's, that's hit or miss. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. no matter how well crafted you may have the joke in your head. Oh, yeah. It's, well, because, and I'll, let me see if, if, um, if you guys have ever dealt with this in poetry. Because I've talked with newer comedians. I've been at it for a little while. You've been at it for a good long while, too. Um, I get questions from newer comedians about what you can and can't say on stage. Mm. Um, my answer is always, it's not what you can't say on stage. It's what can't you say on stage. Mm. Because, you know, the go-to example is always a rape joke or something of that nature. There are comedians that can pull that off. Everybody says, how you say it? You, if you, you be careful and craft it well. You oh, can. yeah. It's, it's a, you teetering, though. You teetering. And again, when we talk about comedians who can pull off that type of material, we are talking about comedians who are getting up three, four, five, six times a night or more every night. Not just like, oh, I might get up two or three times this week. No. They are up multiple times every night in their city that they, you know, as soon as they are done with their set, they're not watching the rest of the show. They're in their car to the next show, trying to make some notes, trying to refine the material and do right. it again. Um, so they get that compression, you know, that compressed experience, which is actually great for writing. Right. You know, you come up with something in, uh, in terms of comedy, you come up with something and then you actually edit on stage. That's where you refine the material. And, you know, for those folks who don't understand that they'll write a joke they'll go perform it if it doesn't go well it might be another week before they try again or they scrap it altogether and that's where i have to get with because i've i've watched good comedians good writers come off stage and go well this didn't work and they tear it up and throw it oh, in the wow. trash and i'm like hold on <laughs> let's, right. let's play baseball give it another couple strikes before you throw that thing right. away right like it's an editing process. It's not it's not a home run or nothing. Like you got to work at it. You got to work right. at it. And sometimes the smaller bits lead to the bigger bits. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of you don't just slam people into your closer like you take them on a journey, you know? More, right. I imagine much like a poem. It, like it, you're right. There's a rhythm to it. There's mm -hmm. a there's a crescendo in it and a and then, you know, you bring them back down. You know, it's storytelling. It, they're both storytelling. Exactly. Something else that I think um, that I think is definitely in the overlap of poetry and comedy is when it doesn't go well. You you feel like you just died up there. Is that <laughs> have have you had something that you thought was going to get like a ah uh, or like a ooh or even even a laugh and it just met with crickets? Yeah, there's been a couple of occasions. Do you have uh, any stories you'd like to share? Yeah. <laughs> as I, painful I, I, as I, they I, might be. Well, in, in regards to the comedy part. I, uh, I was performing at a uh, comedy zone. Yeah. And of course I had, I had to set my mind. I was like, this is going to go over. Cause I, I was here, this other venue and it worked. I just performed at this church or this community center and they loved it. And I get here and I'm like, oh, they, they ain't laugh. 
Okay, let me hurry up to come up with something else. Oh, I'm, I'm just throwing stuff out, and he's still like, okay, well, keep going. What's next? Keep yep. going. And I'm like, oh, so then, you have, then I have to go to the go-to. Like, I know this always. And that, so I'll get a little chuckle. I'm like, <laughs> then my go-to joke gets a chuckle where everybody else, they, ah! Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. You know, oh, but man. but like you said, I'm, I'm, li- I'm going through my mind, like, okay, what I said and what didn't work. Can we work on this right here? Let me ask something. Let me take something out. I'm just trying to find a way to make it work. So, But in poetry, Maybe one or two instances where I thought a poem was gonna hit, and it's kind of you know. Yeah. But, but but poetry, I guess they're not as tough as a comedy crowd. Really, you know, because they're like unless yeah. you just suck, unless you just <laughs> you Dr. Seussing it up there. <laughs> you know, you they're like, man, come on, really? You giving us that? You know, and they they'll give you courtesy claps. You oh. know, but there's some venues now. I've been I've been all over the country doing this. Now there's some venues, especially up north. Yeah, they're really hard, you know. Really? Yeah, if your poetry sucks, they're gonna boo you. They're gonna like, Oof. nah, man, nah, get off the stage, nah. Oh. But usually, like West Coast and down south, you know, oh, bless his heart, you know, that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you try it, it's you good. Try. You know, that's all right. Look at him trying yeah, so hard. Yeah, they're gonna give oh. you courtesy claps. But <sighs> places like Chicago, some place in New York, they like, Nah, I got stage, cuz. Oh, nah, man. Nah, that ain't it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I imagine, uh, you know, because I was worried about the one one time I performed in Philadelphia. And, I like Philly. And I recalled, I recalled Kevin Hart saying, if you can make it in Philadelphia, if somebody in Philadelphia tells you you're funny, you got it. <laughs> Is and, it hard? Yeah, and I just, I just caught an open mic and, you know, had no idea of the crowd or anything like that. And... Um, I just, it was, um, it was in the back of a comic book store, uh, Amalgam Comics. If you're in the Philadelphia area, go to Amalgam Comics. <laughs> They're amazing. Um, what I didn't realize, it was, it was, it was a black room. And here I am, white boy from South Carolina, <laughs> here to tell some jokes. And I was just kind of like, it, it didn't dawn on me until it was like, oh, wait a minute, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Stop I'm, counting the rules. Yeah, I started counting. I was like. Yep, just me and my wife. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Todd A. Davis. I'm like, hi, everybody. <laughs> find somebody look like me. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody here. Okay. All right. <laughs> Hope you guys like Star Trek jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but you know what? Uh, I went up there and just kind of like, hey, look, it's another crowd. Let's just, let's go. Right. Let's have fun. It's going to be an experience. Good or bad, it's going to be right. an experience. And I swung for the fences like I like I tend to do, and it went well. And I was, say, yeah, I, usually, I, I man, when you do that, but when you, when you like, just I'm gonna just be myself. And yeah. give them me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and crowds, they'll take that. You go, it's be you. Now you try to be extra and do something. Uh, we ain't feeling that, man. Exactly. Get on stage. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, when I mentioned, uh, you know, because my friends that are involved in creative endeavors, like you are, um, like bunch of the comedians I've had and artists and tattoo artists and musicians and everybody actors that have come on the show um it always comes back to so I was I was kind of surprised that you're a fan of Star Trek I mean maybe just because I I was like maybe don't let the bow tie and ties fool you man yeah, don't I, was, let I, was like, you, man. I was like you dress sharper than most of the schlubs in, in <laughs> coffee underground <laughs> But when you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm into Star Trek, I was just like, oh, well, then you have to come on the show. <laughs> so when, what was, do you have an earliest Star Trek memory? Man, look here, I, when I was younger, of course, you know, hanging around my grandmother and my aunties and stuff. And the only reason my grandma got cable when I was young, because she had grandbabies coming all, all the time. Like my, my grandbabies, get that cable from my grandbabies. 
And I'm, you know, I'm channel surfing all the time. Yeah. But my mom, she was like, yeah, we used to watch Star Trek and all that. I'm like, I'm like maybe seven, eight years old. And I, but I always loved sci-fi. I grew up reading comic books. So, yeah. And I, I got introduced to, you know, these Star Wars, I mean, Star Trek episodes. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Original crew or next yeah, original, original crew. Original crew. I'm, I'm all about Kirk and them. I, I, nice. I'm wrong. Them, them my peoples. I no disrespect to the others, but I love Kirk, Bone, Spock, Uhura, oh, all yeah. of them. Ah, yeah. We did a... Uh, we did uh, a fantasy draft here recently Ooh. where I had some of the frequent guests and we all got on. We oh, all got on one fun. episode and we drafted just like fantasy, just like fantasy sports. We drafted, oh we drafted a crew and I, I, some of the, some of the folks had, you know, some solid picks, but one of my guys was Bones McCoy. Come I got, Bones, my man. I was like, <laughs> you can put whatever other doctor you want up against Bones. I'm going to win that. Damn it, Jim. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm a doctor, not a physicist. <laughs> but yeah, he's got he's you know because as we made our picks, we also kind of gave our reasoning as to why. Oh yeah. And I, you know, don't get me wrong. The Starfleet has a bunch of really great physicians. All of them, really, very bones. smart, very capable. My bones, man. If I was in a firefight, I think Bones could perform brain surgery. I believe. I, I absolutely believe. believe. There's a now and again. I, he reminds <laughs> he reminds me of my dentist. There's a dentist out in Greer. To be honest, I'm not. It's been a while since I've talked to him. I'm not sure if he's if he's still <laughs> but, practicing. But, but anyway, tripping. You got a dentist around here, folks. He does. He so the all the floors in his entire office, from the front door through the waiting room, the reception, all the way back into all the rooms, all hardwood. I've never seen this man stand up in my entire life. He's on, he's on one of these little rolly, like, office stools. Right. And he just pushes himself. And he just, he'll, right up to your chair. Hey, how we doing? All right, open up. <laughs> okay, you're good. We'll see you in six months. And he's out the door. One time as he was, and he's like, he's like that with everybody. No matter what, I could be bleeding from the mouth. He's just like, all right. All right, you're good. <laughs> Here, chew on this cotton. You're good. <laughs> Um, but one time I sat up to talk to him about something and he was between patients. He took a few minutes. He had some rubber gloves on. There was a trash can from, from, from me and you to that green chair. And he starts taking off the gloves and he, you know, rubber gloves. He pulled the end up to the fingers and snapped the glove right into the trash can. That's I was, cool. I was like, he's not going to do it again. Snap the other one right into the trash can. I was like, he's been in a while. I was like, this is this is my guy. I will never see another guy. It's I'm I'm right as trained at yeah. glove, glove snapping to the trash can. Yeah, I was like, he's got the rolly chair down. He's he's you know he is maximizing his efforts and everything, and he, he is he's a pro, and he is a pro. Like that's Bones McCoy. Bones I McCoy. love it. It's like I thought you would say something like he'd be like, my God, man, what's wrong with your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> Would not surprise me. Would not surprise me. Although, to be fair, I feel like if I was the last patient he had of the day and my options were Novocaine or maybe some bourbon whiskey, he might just, here. Take this whiskey. Here, you have this. I'm, I'm going to have one too. <laughs> but uh, so so you're an original crew guy. Yes, original crew. Then I watched the movies. The first one, eh, but the rest of them, I love them. Yeah, I, you know, each one, and I've kind of come to this realization as I'm working my way through Star Trek franchise, is that even the quote-unquote bad Star Trek is still a lot of fun. No. And, and it's someone's favorite. Yeah. It is someone's favorite. Yeah. Nobody, nobody set out to make 
nobody set out to make a bad Star Trek. Hey, you know what would be really great if, is if we spend all of our time and money and creative efforts to make something people don't like. Nobody's ever said that, ever. <laughs> but even at the first one, I don't think it, it was critically acclaimed. No, but, but the, yeah. But the fans demanded it. I mean, they, they were like, they were like, oh, well, this we're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're done. We tried to set it, because it's like four years for the, first, the, the original crew. It took, it, a, it, it took a long time to get that off. Yeah, the and then they were like, okay, we're going to try this. Oh, it didn't do well. I guess we're done. And they're like, nah, y'all come back with another. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Let's we, do some more. Well, and that's that's the fun part is, um, you know, I, I feel like guys our age, as we get older, we start to have more respect for the things before. Yes. yes. And I, I just told you I'm a big Batman fan. And for me, for the longest time, it was Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, mm, yep. or Bust. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know, they were doing something with Adam West. It's not what they're doing now. Right, it, right. It was different. But, but, but they were the doing time. something. And, yep. it, and it killed. Like, if you look at the ratings, if you look at the merchandise, like... It did gangbusters. Like, it was huge. Yeah. Massive. Um, so, in looking at Star Trek, you know, we come to Star Trek's first prequel in Enterprise. This is the stuff that happened before before Kirk. Now, again, I know Discovery also took place before Kirk, but Discovery right. hasn't been... Discovery wasn't around yet. Right, right, right. This is early 2000s, and it feels very early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And we've got LeVar Burton, like Star Trek royalty, LeVar yeah, Burton, yeah. at the helm. And we've got this episode that, on paper, should have been a home run. Right. Story's great. But from fans to critics, this bombed hard. What were your initial thoughts when you saw when you saw this episode? I, Extinction. I, I, well, you know, like you said, LeVar Burton is, is an excellent director, man. So you... You kind of have this high level of expectation, you know. Absolutely. Uh, just the story seems remarkable, but I guess the follow through was kind of sketchy. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of was disappointing to a lot of people yeah. watching that. So I, I don't know, man. Yeah, who's to blame? Who's, yeah. Who, who, who we blame for that? <laughs> we got we got some we got some some really wild things. We were presented with some really wild things in terms of story elements and some of the some of the performances were. <laughs> outside the box, I'll say. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> we, ha- we have, uh, so the away, well, you know what? I, before we get too deep in, let's get into this week's recap. Right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday on Star Trek Enterprise. An alien race being hunted to extinction. They all had to be destroyed. But they were once human, and their ship was called... Enterprise. Star Trek Enterprise. T'Pol is called to the command center by Archer. What do you want?! He tells her that he's located a nearby planet that the Zindi recently visited. They travel down to the surface with Reed and Hoshi. They discover a Zindi shuttle along with two dead crew members, one of whom has been incinerated. That's a spicy meatball! With little warning, Archer, Hoshi, and Reed begin to transform physically and mentally into a different species. Within seconds, they are fully changed. T'Pol, however, is only mildly affected physically appearing somehow resistant. How convenient! After a physical altercation with her newly transformed crewmates, T'Pol can communicate with Archer by gaining use of the Universal Translator. 
She learns they have been overcome with an overwhelming instinct to reach a city called Urquat, the homeland of their species. Meanwhile, Trip and an away team of Makos uh -oh, get Mako. manage to capture and return Reed to the ship. Archer and Hoshi flee, and T'Pol opts to stay with them. Doc Flock soon determines that they were infected by a mutagenic virus, and concludes that T'Pol's Vulcan genetics rendered her partially immune. Meanwhile, Two containment ships soon arrive, demanding access to Enterprise to stop the virus that killed millions of their people 60 years earlier. Trip refuses, but invites their leader, Tret, aboard. Tret explains that the original inhabitants of the planet, the Lokek, created the virus to continue their species. And knowing is half the battle. Believing it impossible to cure, he sends a team to the planet's surface to neutralize Archer and Hoshi. Archer leads Hoshi and T'Pol to Urquat, but they find it in ruins. Trip beams down with a team of Makos and rescues them. Uh-oh, better get Mako! Enterprise warps away, but the alien ships pursue and attack the ship. Trip asks Tret to allow Phlox more time to synthesize an antidote, but Tret refuses. Before he can board the ship, Doc Phlox arrives with Archer and Hoshi, now mostly restored, and promises Tret a sample. Later, as Phlox plans to destroy the last vial of the virus, Archer tells him to keep it as the last remnant of the near-extinct species. I don't care! First of all... <laughs> How many times do we have to go down to a planet not wearing protective suits? <laughs> you would think you'd be ready for that, man. You, you are explorers. Yeah. yeah. Like, Unknown planets. You don't know what's there. You have no idea of anything that's going on. We're just going to bebop down there wearing our jumpsuits. It's going to be fine. Surely they breathe oxygen like we do. <laughs> We're good. M-class. Nope. There's surely nothing can go wrong. Right. No viruses, nothing. <laughs> but then we see this species that has been preserved it's been preserved in this virus I, did you catch covid have you dealt with COVID? yeah like i had it last february okay yeah i had it uh not this past christmas but the christmas before so 2019 to 20 or excuse me 2020 <clears throat> to 2021 um that holiday season uh not fun <laughs> it was not fun no, no. um and i don't know if you've lost anybody i've lost a couple people um not anybody close yet. yeah and um Part of this episode made me think, like, I, I, you know, comedians tend to go to a dark place yeah, sometimes. I love it, though. We give them different perspectives, different perspectives. That's yeah. All. Different I, perspectives. You know, I was like, is this all, is this what they're going to find of us? Is this what they're going to find? And will there be any of us contained within it? Mm. And, you know, will this virus be our planet's legacy? God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope they find something else. By the 200 variant by the end. Yeah. Oh man. But uh, you know, what was your ex what was your experience? What was your experience with COVID? Do you mind me asking? No, no problem at all. I, it wasn't that. I mean, I felt like I had a real bad case of the flu. Mm. Um, I, it was crazy. Nobody knew. I was, I was isolated. I would still get up and host uh, the open mic on IG. People didn't know. I got myself together. Oh, nice. You know, I, I made sure in my room I had kept my a couple of shirts. But a couple of times, <laughs> nice. And then I, and I, I, I treated like I would just had a regular cold. Ate soup, uh, natural foods, and stuff like that. And yeah. Exercised a little bit and rested a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. But I get onto you know, the IG like, hey, yo, let's open mic and do that, and immediately when I'm done, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, oh, I'm so tired. Oh God, I'm dying. <laughs> oh God, I'm just killing me. It's hurt. <laughs> 
But yeah, it was it's ups and downs with it, man. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of have a pretty healthy regimen and did what I you know could do to kind of suppress it best I could. Yeah, I yeah. found because uh, I got it, I got it, and got my um, I got my uh, diagnosis uh, Christmas Eve. Wow! So that was that was a fun Merry, way to Merry spend. Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> and of course I got it and took it home to my wife. Mm. She and I, you know, lived together and everything in close quarters as a married couple <laughs> tend to do. Um, but she has she has a brain condition. Oh no! So I was down for two weeks and stayed out of work an additional week. Uh, luckily, we, uh, you know, the law firm I work for, we had shut down for the holidays. Um, we're very lucky, very blessed that we're in an industry where we can do that. Um, but at the end of that two weeks was when I was supposed to go back to work. And there's a person in our office who's um, also very sick with uh, uh, cancer, recovering from cancer. Mm. I was like, I can't go back to the office and risk putting that person in danger. So I stayed out an additional week. And while I was at home, I have this one distinct memory of sitting on the couch, watching TV, and I started to feel bad. I was like, you know, I've got my computer in the other room. The office phone goes to my cell phone. I can do something. And I stood up off the couch. And as soon as I stood up off the couch, I sat back down. I was wow. like, this this is, this is literally yeah. all I can do. And it's so weird to be, to have your body motions and activities and things like that dictated mm. by a virus but mm. even even when you catch like a really bad head cold it's kind of like yes. i that's I, rough i can't i can't i can't sit and stare at a computer screen my head's pounding right. like i can't do that so now here's an extreme example where they are driven to find this civilization that no longer exists but right. it's fascinating how that virus overtook them and overtook them very quickly to a point where they found these, that particular species eats this egg type thing where they crack open this egg and it looks like, it looks like worm soup. And, and they start eating, they start eating that with their hands as their people do. And we see Archer, Archer, the captain of this ship, Reed, the British tactical officer, and Hoshi, the brilliant ling linguistics uh, communications officer, mm -hmm. reduced to eating worms with their hands. Mm. And, you know, and uh, Reed and Archer kind of get into it, and um, Reed has to sort of buddy up to him to sort of find favor so that Archer will hand him the rest right. of the egg. Like, very, um, you know, very uh, primal, primal type behavior from this, from this long dead species. And it also remember, it also reminds me of, did you see uh, Star Trek Next Generation, the episode Inner Light, where mm. they find a probe and it hits Picard with this beam and he sees himself transported to this, this world that wow. developed the probe and he lives out his life with these people and in, in I the, think I did see that one in the end he learns how to play the flute that's yeah, where he yeah, learns to that. play the flute and it was so and it reminded me that this virus t kind of reminded me of that episode with the probe that hits Picard and he experiences life 
with these people who are long dead. The only thing that remains of them is this probe. Wow. And, uh, you know, obviously that had much better, you know, that's considered to be one of the, <laughs> one of the best episodes right. of, of Next Gen. As opposed to this, which critics and fans were not on board for this. I mean, Enterprise has been shaky from the from the get go. I mean, and that, that was my thing. It's not one of my favorites. Enterprise is not. Yeah. But, but I wonder with, with this particular episode, with the writing, not not just the actual result of them filming it, but the writing itself. One thing I always loved about Star Trek because they, they touch on issues, yes. real deep issues. Yes. Society, spirituality, kind of, whatever they touch on certain things. I wonder that the writers with this particular one. Um, touched on how we as human beings we, we were searching yes we were constantly searching and especially we, we love the past we we try yeah. to figure out you know why we're here what, what's the origins of us as a species mm-hmm. you know so i wonder if they were really trying to touch on that because the the idea of it is, is superb but the execution <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's that's the thing right there's that's that's yeah the execution was not super solid and i feel like you know we talked a little bit about uh my wife who's currently you know, as she journeys through, she's also journeying within. And I've mentioned on the show before that if we, in the real world, if we as a species truly hope to make it to the stars, if we truly hope to have anything that sort of kind of resembles Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. I just love his books too, by the way. I'm yeah, like, yeah. If, if any of us hope for any of that, before we journey out, we must journey within. Ooh, that's beautiful. And my journey has to at least, at least intersect your journey. Mm. I have to at least, I have to at least be able to look over and see you on a similar journey. Because right now we are not on the same paths mm. as as people. Right. We, people fighting over some of the over some. Very silly things, and we will see more examples of that as we continue with Enterprise. You know, certain individuals fighting and killing over a disagreement in religion or mm. something of that nature, which is just bonkers to me. And my father, I don't know your religious background. My father was a Baptist minister, graduated from Bob Jones University. Okay. And I always remember, I, I remember asking him about something, something was on the news about the war in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Dad, what are they fighting about? They've been fighting for a long time, too, he, bro. Yeah. And he said, there, he goes, I'm not sure that they know anymore. And he said, there will never be an end or a winner to a religious war mm-hmm. because both sides they don't think they're right they don't know they're right they believe that they're right and belief is a strong vessel man. yeah um you know i think um kevin smith's movie dogma chris, i love dogma oh my god chris rock has some amazing lines putting forth this phil- uh, philosophy of ideas there's only real beef with mankind is the <laughs> that gets carried out in his name Wars, bigotry, televangelism. The big one, though, is the factioning of all the religions. He said mankind got it all wrong by taking a good idea and building a belief structure on it. You're saying having beliefs is a bad thing? I just think it's better to have ideas. I mean, you can change an idea. Changing a belief is trickier. People die for it. People kill for it. Mm, You know, and and again, I'm not here to come down on anybody's religious beliefs, but... 
I, th- I think there's I think there's a there's a time and a place where we have to God we have to start thinking for ourselves yeah and <clears throat> doing things because they are the right thing to do and you know okay okay yes you believe all these things and you believe all these things because your faith told you to so does that no longer make you part of humanity do you have mm. is that is that why you're solely doing it and not because of any sense of humanity Right. You know, do you see somebody that needs help and say, well, God told me to help you, so I'm helping you. Like, it's like when you're, it's like when you hit your little brother and you go, and your parents go to, all right, say you're sorry. And you go, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're not. You're saying sorry because mom and dad's going right, right. to beat your ass. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, real fits with some level of sympathy and empathy. Yeah, the situation. Yeah, and I think I and I've I've said you know for a long time I think we really got to get we got to make the connections here before we start trying to connect. That's that's real. Out, you know, that's real. Um, we just gonna go to space and create another problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we got issues in space. Exactly. <laughs> well, hell, that was part of Archer's deal. Is they they brought on Archer to be captain of the Enterprise, and I've said this you know at length in different episodes before, but um, he's the diplomatic representative. Yeah, he is little more than a pilot at the beginning of all this stuff, and they're like, all right, here's your ship, here's your crew, go have fun. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> now, granted, what we've seen of Starfleet at this point is one dude in an office. <laughs> right. He might as well be. He might as well have a storefront next to Dollar Tree. <laughs> So here's Kmart, Dollar Tree, Starfleet. Starfleet. Wow. <laughs> I like that, though. I like that. Thanks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we see these people uh, reduced to this to this animal, these, these animal instincts. And, you know, here we are. We're getting into, you know, it's the end of January. It's, uh, we're not past, we're not far past the one-year anniversary of the insurrection in D.C. Where mm. we saw modern people who we think are civilized and educated Mm-mm. who lost their minds yeah who lost their minds uh, over something somebody said like or some perceived slight it feels like we're not moving forward it feels like i don't know thoughts well i'm at a loss honestly when no, i look at stuff like that it's, it's like you say with the belief system some people believe they're right they believe their uh, political stance or political philosophy is right compared to everybody else. But I, I think these people really believe, belief system, that their political philosophies are right compared to everybody else's. And so I think they're scared. They're scared if they give in to uh, conform some ideology, yeah. they're going to lose themselves some kind yeah. of way. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to storm the Capitol <laughs> and just try to take over and implement. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what was the end game for them. We're going to go in and just, we're going to run the government now. Like, I mean, how's that work? We gonna control the military? We gonna give out? We gonna pass legislature? Yeah, we in here now with our with our uh, muskets and, and yeah. flags. <laughs> have you have you have you been to DC? Yeah. Have you gone? Have, there. have you gone through? Have you taken a tour of the Capitol? I've taken a tour. I'm, I've been outside of it, but I haven't taken a tour. Um, anybody out there who's looking for a relative, relatively inexpensive vacation? Most of the stuff in D.C. is free because it's all state parks. It all falls under state parks. Right. When the wife and I went up there, this has been some years ago now, but when we went up there for one of our uh, for our sixth wedding anniversary, 
um, we asked for a tour of the White House. We're like, yeah, sure, we're going. Why not? Uh, at that time, some people were jumping the fence of the White House, and Secret Service was not super thrilled about that sort of thing. So they're like, right. we're not doing tours of the White House at this time. And I was like, no problem. Gotcha. <laughs> they said, however, we'd like to offer you a private tour of the Capitol. I'll take it. Absolutely. And we went through, we actually met in the building across the street where all the offices are. Um, that was one of the buildings that was hit in the insurrections where the actual offices are because not all the offices are in the Capitol. Right, right. Um, but from the Capitol, they have a tunnel underground that leads to the main, the main building. And from there, uh, we went into the main chambers and our tour guide was a uh, young intern with uh, the wife and I were living in Florida at the time. So they were an intern working in the senator, senator for Florida's um, office. And um, they took us around and they were like, hey, this is where the insurrection happened. Again, this was, you know, this was some years ago, but this is where the insurrection where the, uh, I want to say Guatemalan, I forget the group that had an insurrection there broken with semi-automatic rifles and shot up the place and they said there's one more bullet hole there's one bullet hole that they didn't that they didn't patch up and there's you can actually see daylight through that bullet hole and i was like wow and then we went to the ground floor where the ground floor there's like this big open lobby with a lot of large pillars but then there's a design that leads to a point in the middle of the floor and they said this you know because the capital is the official center of Mm -hmm. dc Mm -hmm. that spot on the floor geographically is actually the center of dc so a lot of people you can put your foot there and be like hey take a picture and the thing <laughs> and that's really cool but i started looking at the columns i started looking at the columns uh in that room and started seeing some uh some marks some scarring and um finally it dawned on me i was and it was a young woman who was showing us around i said excuse me ma'am are these musket are these are these bullet holes? Are these from musket fire? And she goes, and she it had clearly not occurred to her, and she started looking at him. She goes, actually, I think so because this is where this is where they would have had their stand against the British. Mm-hmm. So this is where the British attacked the capital and were shooting, and there were there were bullet scars from musket fire. And we went upstairs, and there's a window up there, and um, there's a window from the original capital inside the building now and i said there and there was some scarring some darkness to the to the frame itself i said ma'am um why is this window upside down she said what do you mean i said um i used to work in law enforcement and i studied arson fire goes up and out when the british attacked the capital they burned the capital so what they did was to preserve this window because the walls are like a foot and a half thick they laid it down and stood it up and sealed it in. So the burn marks, what turned out to be scorch marks, are from the fire that was escaping that window. And that's what scorched the edge of that frame. Wow. And of course, that window's been dedicated to some group, and I was just like, you know when you dedicate something to somebody, you usually don't put it upside down. That's usually a a sign of disrespect. Yeah, you you disrespect it. (laughs) So, uh, anyways, but yeah, it's it's fascinating to see um, sort of the cyclical nature of like uprising against whatever system it is, and feeling that drive to do something, maybe not even understanding why. <clears throat> you know, like 
you know, like Archer and the crew here, they had this overwhelming primal um, genetic drive to go to this place, right. even though it didn't even exist anymore. And I feel like maybe not, you know, the British attacking the capital is not, it's a different thing, but like, right. you know, the insurrection that happened a year ago in DC is not the first insurrection that's happened. No, it's happened before. And is it going to, is it going to keep happening? Are, are we, we going to keep doing this cycle? But I, I want to think back just historically most, I know I couldn't give you a percentage. I, I'm maybe 80% of those, uh, insurrections and stuff like that where the people feel that they haven't had a fair handshake in, in, in stuff that's given in society. Yeah. Them are the poor people, uh, the people's rebellion, like in Russia. I mean, just all, you go the different pockets of, of these rebellions per se. These people felt like they, they weren't getting a just due. But this last insurrection, I, I, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. That, that, that has me to me, and I'm quite sure in their eyes, they feel like some injustice being done. But... Yeah. <clears throat> Then again, once again, I, just, I, don't, I don't understand the end game with that. Like, you know, what, what are you? I guess, what are you rating for? You yeah. rate most people rating because they're impoverished, and they're tired of being poor, and they're tired of being mistreated, yeah. and they want change. Yeah. And, and maybe they just want change, but I don't understand what for. I mean, what, what are you fighting for? What are you? What are you trying to take over for? What, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know, I, I said that's my question. Like, what are you gonna do when you get? Well, if they t- were successful in that and they took over, like now what? What are you, what are we gonna do? We took it over. Okay. Okay, you got the reins. But but we took it over. <laughs> it's all that matter. Took it over. Oh, we didn't think past this. Yeah, anyway. that's that's why I'm like I, I thought about that. Like man, okay, I, I see what y'all do, but what 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 you gonna do? It's like uh, <laughs> it's like Heath Ledger said in uh, in Dark Knight. You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. Yeah, <laughs> I you know it's so funny and it it's so funny to see people's ideas shifting. So rapidly, I know. Um, I think I think my timeline's correct that the insurrection happened uh, after uh, George Floyd was killed, and yeah, when, definitely. when George Floyd was killed um, was a big uh, was a big social turn against law enforcement. When the insurrection happened and a few officers died protecting protecting the capital, or at least attempting to, there was that shift again of like. All these officers died, but now it was different. It, right. It's, it, things progressing, but but regressing and changing because of. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so fascinating for me to see that. Uh, you know, I look at, uh, you know, we just finished talking about, you know, people, they get so uh, boned up on the job of like, hey, I'm, you know, we're, we're rising up. Okay. Right. What are you going to do when you get there? Like, <laughs> Ain't they that through? Yeah, like the United States government was not built in a day. Yeah, they signed it on January 4th, 1776. We all know that. But like there was work to be done hundreds of, hundreds of years before and then hundreds of years after to get any sort of real working government in place. Right. Like it's not just like, well, I'm sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair, so guess it's me. Like, no, that's not how it works, man. Like it took about 10, 12 presidents before I actually started getting moving right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It took a long time. Yeah. Um I wasn't good in history class. I learned that from watching Hamilton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, I, I you know, I deal with this I deal with this here um, at the law firm, uh, people, hey, I've heard that South Carolina, law, da, 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 and they're looking at me for an answer. <laughs> I'm like, are you planning on representing yourself? I mean, you can. You're allowed to. I, I mean, I get that question all the time of like, 
hey, should I get an attorney? Like, well, and this is this is the actual example that I use on the phone with potential clients. Say, well, you absolutely have the right to represent yourself. It's kind of like surgery. You could do it yourself. It's probably not a good idea. Yeah, but you know, people think, you know, their case that, you know, the best lawyer in the world is Google. Like, what a terrible idea that is. Like, <laughs> no, it there's every situation is so much more complicated than that. And, it's, right. you know, these systems that are set in place, yeah, they might be wrong. They might be wrong. You have an imperfect system created by imperfect people. people. Yeah, don't be surprised when it fails. But at the same time, if you think you're going to understand it and change it in a day, you're wrong too. Yeah. So, you know... I, I'm just imagining it. Your Honor, look, I, on Google, I, <laughs> there's a site... <laughs> and, and it shows I'm right. It says right here. <laughs> I'll send you the link. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send the link to you. <laughs> oh, man. It happens so frequently. And to be honest, that kind of comes back to the connections that we make. Mm. You know, I can't just look at you and say, well, he's, he's a poet and comedian. And he, well, now I know you like Star Trek. Yeah. I can assume you dress this way all the time. But you probably don't. I don't. I, but I get, I got friends that joke me all the time. I got a friend of mine tomorrow. He said, I bet Moody Black got tuxedo pajamas. <laughs> He's always dressed. I, I mean, I did, I did a show with like, a lot of poets. They know I dress this way. I did a show in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, a good friend of mine, shout out to John Witts. Uh, this is like kind of, maybe last year, still doing the pandemic. But they had a, a real cool setup in Charlotte. They had an art gallery, but they was like on the, on, I guess trucks would come in, but they had cars parked out there with this little, I guess garage setting. The, the performers was up there, and the oh, people in their cars. The loading dock. Yeah, no, yeah, dots. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, the, the stage was the loading dock. Oh, that's and awesome. And cars pulled up. It's pretty cool. And then when performers got through, formed their the horns and stuff like that. Yeah. So I drove up there. You know, promote. I do hip hop too, y'all. So I promote my hip hop stuff. And uh, I'm, so I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I, this ain't hip hop. So, <laughs> but I did have like a button up, but it was like untucked. Some baggy jeans and have you know I wear Adidas I love Adidas so the guy saw me shout out my man Jai he was like Moody I've never seen you with jeans <laughs> I don't know how that my guy I gotta take a picture you got all jeans I'm like yeah man I own some jeans <laughs> you know but but I, I get it I get it because this 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 is the, the brand but uh, I really man when I go home I'm gonna put on my sweatpants T-shirt <laughs> I got a pair of basketball shorts waiting for me yeah, at home. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's that's me that's really me. Exactly. You know. Yeah, I uh yeah, it's so interesting to, you know, that that face you put forward is a lot of times all that people see. Right. And they and they make their they make their judgment and their all assessment the accordingly. I've been asked am I a preacher one time and I'm like far from it. <laughs> far from it. I, I might step in the church, my shoe catch on fire. I don't know. Not a preacher. Well, you know, because I have tattoos and generally I have a I, yeah, I, I usually that. have a bigger a bigger beard than this. Um, my my boss sent me to the county jail to question somebody to to interview an, an inmate regarding a case a right. case a case that was not ours. I can't really get into all the details right, right, of course of, of course, legality of course. and all that. But um, my boss was like, "Hey, yeah, I'm going to need you to go over to GCDC and uh, you know question so and so about this particular thing." I said, "Are you sure about that?" And he said, "Yeah, why?" I said, "Alex, look at me." <laughs> I look like a vice cop. <laughs> and it makes sense. I used to be a police officer. Right. 
and I started my I started my career at GCDC. <laughs> like, that's not a good idea. Like, you you look like you live in a library. Go, you go question him. There's no way you're a cop, but there's guaranteed that there's law enforcement on my background. I went, so I ended up going, and sure enough, he didn't believe me. He didn't believe me that I was a paralegal. Cause I look like a vice cop. <laughs> You're a cop, man. Yeah, of course. You're the fuzz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was like, "You got a card or something?" I was like, "Oh shoot, I didn't bring any of my cards with me. Like, I have no way to prove to this guy that He's I'm like, a paralegal." This meeting is over. <laughs> I was just kind of like, "Officer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> come get me." <laughs> I, was, I just leaned back to the window. I was like, "Yeah, we're done here. <laughs> There's no way." And I went back and went upstairs. How'd it go? How do you think it went? <laughs> <laughs> I wasted time over there. <laughs> but yeah, you know, as we, you know, as we, we as a people, and I'll say the people, humanity, right. as we journey, as we journey out, we also have to journey within and we have to ask questions. We have to learn things. We have to stop assuming things. We have to stop assuming things about each other. Right. If, if we're ever going to make it past any of this, you know, I think that's, that's, you know, I, I am spinning a not great episode of Star Trek into some sort of <laughs> deep philosophical no, connection I'm, I'm, about I'm, humanity. I'm about I, I wonder if LeVar Burton, when he had his idea directing this, and yeah. the writers were on the same level where we discuss them. We, we, this is deep. We have a deep discussion about all yeah. this. But I mean, I just, I can only imagine you creating all this. It's going to be great, man. We get this deep, this philosophical and Blah, and it comes out like this. I like oh that. my god! Oh my god! Uh, but that's got, that's got to go with like the the, the costume co- people, the the, the uh, you know the makeup artists and all that. I mean, that yeah. Some of the burnt might go on them, man. You know that there was someone who goes, "Wait till you see what I've cooked up for this." It is going. I I. You might as well go ahead and give me an Emmy now. I've just won the Emmy with this new thing. And it's wow. This, and it's this like, you kidding me? <laughs> like, nope. Afraid not. not. Well, uh, as we start talking about uh, the behind the scenes, we get into the section that we have uh, lovingly titled, Who Do We Blame? All right. Let's get to it. I'm ready. Oh, uh, this finger point. This episode, <laughs> this episode was written by Andre Bormanis. Uh, so everybody, Salute. sick him. <laughs> well, the, right, no, the writing's good. The writing's, the writing's solid. The li- Andre's last episode that he worked on was season two, episode 20, Horizon, which uh, is a great, is actually a really great episode. It follows Travis Mayweather, the uh, the African-American pilot of the NX-01, the Enterprise, mm-hmm. as he goes back to his family's ship. Um, he was born in space, so he's lived on spaceships his whole life, but it follows him as he goes back and, uh, you know, spoilers, after the death of his father, and he's trying to reconcile him leaving the family business. And it's a really interesting character study. And, you know, for I, I, I have gone on record multiple times of saying Travis Mayweather is my favorite character of Enterprise. The sad part of that is that he never really got his due in terms of character exploration, character development. We get a couple glimpses of him with his family. He ha- he does a couple things on the ship and endears himself to me in manually manually piloting the NXL one through a minefield. Like that is mm. impressive. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, as we mentioned, this episode is directed by LeVar Burton, a.k.a. Jordy LaForge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, who uh, his last episode directing was season two, episode 24, First Flight, uh, which actually chronicles um, Jonathan Archer and um, A.G. Robinson, their journey through the NX program mm-hmm. as test pilots. Mm. And that's where Archer met Trip and all that stuff. So it's a great look at like the history behind the history. Right. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the guest stars we've got Mr. Daniel Day Kim uh, from ABC's Lost uh, and mm. a butt ton of other things. Right. Returning here as Corporal Chang, and then we've got Mr. Roger Cross. He plays Trip. He's got an interesting career. He's done four episodes of The Commish back in 1993. Did you ever watch? Michael Chiklis and the the show The Commish. No, I like Michael Chiklis though, but I didn't see The Commish. Chiklis is great. Chiklis is um, he plays a commissioner of police for see, the, a tough dude, man. A tough dude. Yeah, and it was so funny to see him go from playing the Commish to playing the Shield, which is worlds apart. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but it's a wonderful show if you can find it. Highly recommend uh, binging it sometime. That was in 1993. He's also done episodes of Mantis, Sliders, Viper, Highlander, one of my favorites. I love Highlander. Uh, Millennium. He was also in Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., the 1998 TV movie starring starring David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. I remember that. Remember that one? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Marvel, that... Pre two thousand Marvel suck. It was a dark time in the Marvel universe <laughs> yeah. for sure. So uh, for those for those of you out there who may not be familiar, there were a couple of late nineties, very early two thousands Marvel projects that were done through uh, Fox Studios. Mm. This was before Disney bought Fox. Um, and one of the TV movies that they did was this Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Shield. And if you look at the comic book depictions of Nick Fury. That's David Hasselhoff. Yeah. It's David Hasselhoff. Yeah. And they got the hair, the eye patch, it, it the cigar. Right. It looked good. It looked great. Yeah. However. However. <laughs> this was the right timing, man. It didn't, have the, it didn't have the stuff they have now. It now, is. one thing I will say about it is they have, that's where we first got a glimpse of the black leather uniforms yeah. that would eventually be used, yeah. I, I imagine, as templates for that first X-Men movie. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of where that started. And it's it's kind of interesting to look at those pre, like pre-Iron Man Marvel properties and see what they kept and what they changed. Yeah. I'm going to go back and look now. You got me interested. In it's, it's really fast. A lot of people don't realize there was a live action, there was a live action Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. Back in the 70s? Mm-hmm. A lot of people forgot about that. Everybody remembers like the two Fantastic Four, well, the three Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. And, well, technically four Fantastic Four movies, but uh, yeah. those were, <laughs> they exist. <laughs> I, I, Somebody I, I, worked really hard on those. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Just, yeah, bless his heart. That's a bless, that's a bless his heart moment right there, y'all. You don't say you don't want to say the real bad thing, but you know they give like they made e for effort. Bless yes, hard. exactly. I, look, I did. Look, I did like the Silver Surfer. So hard. I, I, if I had to pick the best out of the mess, 
But I, I like the Silver Surfer one. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that was that was horrible. Yeah, that was that was rough. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> well, a uh, couple more credits here from right, Mister Cross. We, we got. got? Uh, couple episodes of SG-1 and Outer Limits. He also made an appearance. We just finished talking about the X-Men. He made an appearance in X-2 Ooh, okay. as uh, one of the Oval Office agents, Agent, mm. Agent Cartwright. Okay. Uh, and this this is his only franchise appearance so far. It's just this. And then he uh, he had a turn in uh, the Chronicles of Riddick as Toll. He was credited as Roger R. Cross in that. Okay. That was that was back in 2004, and then uh, 45 episodes of 24, 12 episodes of Arrow as Detective Lewis. Oh Hilton. wow, let's go! Yeah, and his most current credit is uh, on a show called Coroner as Detective Donovan McAvoy. Um, so yeah, this was yeah, it was. I mean, so we got some some pretty cool cast who did a horrible job in this episode. Exactly, that's what, that's what you're saying. <laughs> It's it's so funny to see you know the very captainly and the very British reduced to almost to primates, right? <laughs> and then we see Hoshi, who uh, I mentioned to you, my my buddy Gary, who has the wrestling podcast. Hoshi is that's his that's his girl, that's his character. He is all about okay. some Hoshi. Um, she ends up sort of taking on like more of a lizard or like snake like quality yeah. and like looking at her stances like she's you know jutting that hip out a little bit <laughs> and stuff like that you know some stuff we hadn't seen from her either this her character generally uh tends to look very um very studious little bookish you know right. she's we've we've gone on record multiple times about saying how she's not an astronaut she was she was not down right. for space travel. She wanted to sit at a computer and translate different languages right. for the crew. That's what she wanted to do. But her first mission, she walked into this room with like a dozen dead bodies hanging from the ceiling. Being, what is this? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, yeah. This? I did not sign up for this. Oh my god. But yeah, um, so this, you know, Enterprise has an interesting place in franchise history because it was at the end of the TNG era, TNG era being mm -hmm. TNG, Deep, Deep Space Nine, right, Voyager, right, right. then Enterprise. Um, but in terms of when it came out, it premiered, you know, less than two weeks after 9-11. Mm. And then in terms of the timeline, it's the first thing we get. So a lot of people that have come on the show that are not as familiar with Star Trek are being forced that's, to watch that's, these that's episodes. A, that's their first experience? Yeah. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Oh god. The best the best thing that people have taken away from Enterprise is ooh, their uniforms have pockets. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something you gotta think, now, hold on, this is some futuristic stuff and they don't have pockets in their uniforms. Yeah. And they do this particular wow Zippers. I didn't think about that. Zippers, Velcro, like yeah. Wow. <laughs> but this is the but their their, their episodes were like prequels. So yeah. <laughs> fast forward, they didn't have pockets. Now, they regressed with the fashion. Yep, we uh, we're we're all set on pockets. We're we're yeah. we don't no don't worry everybody. We've gotten carrying stuff out of the way. <laughs> we've handled racism. We've handled poverty. We've handled disease. <laughs> and it turns out we've handled out the need to carry things. Don't carry that no more. We good. Don't, don't need pockets don't need anymore. That. <laughs> Um, one more thing I will ask you about All right. before we uh, start to wrap up. What did you think of the opening of the opening song? It's cool. Did you? Yeah, do you cool. dig it? It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I checked it out. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're uh, 
you're in the mini- the minority. <laughs> Most people that come on are just kind of like, this is terrible. What were they thinking? <laughs> but, but I try to think of what it is, what, what, what yeah. it's meant for. I'm like, okay, for that. I'm not, now I'm not going to ride my car jamming to it, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I took it for what it was, is that, you know. Is that is that faith of the heart? Yeah. <laughs> Moody's almost here. Uh, <laughs> blasting it, putting it up, windows down, everything. Sitting back in the seat. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say sitting back. And anybody that looks at you, you just go, Faith uh, of the heart. Faith of the heart, man. <laughs> it's me, dog. It's me. Faith of the heart. Got got you. Oh God. It's so, cool. It's uh, all right, you know. Any uh any final thoughts before we uh before we wrap Oh uh, yeah, man. Like it's what it wasn't one of the best. Did and you have fun at least? I mean, <laughs> I tell you what. Did you have fun on the show? I love the show. The show's great. I love this podcast. Y'all tune in every time this podcast is up. Run it, watch it. Check. I'm, I'm the podcast it is. Watch the podcast. I listen to it. Uh, uh, Checks yeah. in the mail. Yeah, there you go, y'all. <laughs> but if you want a real invigorating uh, uh, experience with Star Trek. This might not be the one to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one, this one. I, I don't think, I don't think this is going to make anybody's essential viewing lists. Nah, no. I mean, for nah. for Lavar Burton, who Lavar Burton strikes me as a very positive guy, um, smart guy, very smart, and uh, and creative as all get out. Um, very hardworking. So for so for him to come out and say like. Oh, I wish I would have left this one on the shelf, or wish I would have stayed so, in bed. So, do he bear some culpability in this too? I mean, you know, I'm sorry. Do, do, does he bear some culpability in this this this, this I, I situation see. here? <laughs> here's here's the thing. He directed it. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it's his name. It's his name as director. Uh, I I I imagine. I imagine with the cast members when when cast members step into the director's chair, it's a lot of actors. You know they are they are actors, so I imagine that they are focused on. I imagine they are focused on performance. I imagine they are focused on um, these these actors conveying the story. Right. That's their wheelhouse. That's all they. Every, everything else can we can shoot this thing all on green screen. We could do it as a stage play, but I want to get those. I imagine I want to get those real great performances out of these people and but he didn't <laughs> but he didn't yeah he didn't there were some decisions were made <laughs> uh you know what someone i i wonder how many takes that they did i wonder if suggestions were made that were rejected by the actors because again lavar burton's lavar burton's lavar burton right but you also got scott bakula scott bakula Quantum Leap. He's been at this for a yeah, long, I love, long time. I love Quantum Leap. He was good. Man. So I wonder how many ideas were just, you know, I wonder if there was a discussion between Scott and Lavar of like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I'm not going to do that. I don't, I don't feel that that's right for this character in this situation. I've got my own idea. We're going to roll with that. I wonder if that was, you know. Well, that may have sold and that's his fault. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Scott. Or, that's old Scott. Or, yeah. Or was it, was it Lavar saying, hey, I hear what you've got. We're going to do it one way. We're going to do your way one take. We're going to do my way one take. Which somebody like Scott Bakula knows what that means, which means okay, we're going to get we're going to do it your way to shut you up and then right. we're going to we're going to use my take for the final cut, which may be the case. 
was this a rare instance of LeVar Burton saying, you know what? You guys know these characters. I trust you. Yeah, have at it. Yeah, you guys know what you're doing. What you know? Which, but if you did that, that goes back to him now. Yeah, go back to him. <laughs> Why'd you let them do this? I, I, to be honest, like, and again, if I got the opportunity to sit down with Lavar Burton, even for a few minutes, I'm torn. I'm torn about whether or not I would ask about this episode because of all the many wonderful things he's done throughout his career. For 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 this episode to be as bad as it's perceived. And for him to basically confirm those feelings. But that's the in, thing, in, though. He, he, he confirms it. He put a stamp on it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I got to ask. Like, was there, dis- was there a discussion? Was there a disagreement? Like, what was the table read like? I mean, what happened? But... Or we just might not ever find out. We might. <laughs> the show's twenty years old. If he, right. if I asked him about it, and he goes, you know, honestly, it was twenty years ago. I don't remember. I'd have to go. Okay, so that moving is, right along. <laughs> but I, I think he knows. Yeah, I think you know, Lavar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Lavar, reach out to us, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week we will be joined by my good friend Mrs. Ren Sims to discuss Enterprise season three, episode four. Regine, which of course is available on Paramount Plus. Ren Sims coming back to the show after ooh, like a few months. It's it's been a long while since Ren was on the show, so we're gonna have a great time having her back on the show. Uh Moody, let's talk about what you got going on, man. What's uh, where where can people find your work on the internet? What do you have going on that people can support? And where can people come see you? Or find your schedule to to seek you out. Well, I got you. First and foremost, my website is www.iammoodyblack.com. No special spellings. Simple. I am Moody Black. And that's my handle for everything. Or, as I say with my country tongue, everything. <laughs> it's for everything. <laughs> uh, you can go to Instagram, I am Moody Black. Twitter, I am Moody Black. Uh, Facebook, I am Moody Black. And just, just check me out. Uh, still doing my fundraising. I, I just not too long got back from Cali. Hawaii didn't work out, but I'm, I'm still raising money because I'm going to Northern California uh, in the spring and uh, hopefully Alaska. So I'm definitely gonna need some funds for that. So go fund me. You type in Moody Black. You you see the beard. You see the beard, man. You can't miss me. You can't miss me. Uh, but yeah, YouTube. I have a lot of my music videos and poetry videos on that. A lot of behind the scenes stuff on YouTube. Uh, but I'm always on IG, so y'all check me out. I am Moody Black on Instagram. I'm always doing that. And on my comedy page, Moody Black Comic, check it out. Got all the fun memes, all the fun interviews. Uh, my my bro Todd is on there, man. We, we had a good time doing that. So definitely check it out. Uh, yeah, just, just I'm, I'm busy. Well, I'm productive. I was told not to say busy. I'm very productive. <laughs> that's a good That's a good uh, way yeah, to look yeah, at yeah. it. Yeah. Shout out to Alicia. I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've been very productive. And yeah, I'm doing a lot of painting. I'm starting back painting and drawing. So I'm selling paintings. I want to eventually do a, a summer art exhibit. You know, nice. some cheese and crackers and some jazz playing. Man. <laughs> a couple of poets performing and sell some art. Nice. So yeah, and uh, working on... I haven't hit the stage in, 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 with comedy in a while other than, you know, my, my poetry routines. But uh, I'm working on some stuff, some bits to come back on uh, the Comedy Zone and Coffee Underground and wherever I can to do some comedy real soon. So yeah. Nice, nice. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in 10 
Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. Our outro music was provided with permission by Drone Node. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And I'm Kat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. Awesome. Hey, let me ask you. Um, so you're teaching. Teach. Oh, I forgot to mention teach arts. That's okay. That's all right. That's yeah, so, we're still rolling. So with my uh, another one of my IG pages is Making Words Move. That's my brand, Making Words Move Institute. So uh, schools contract me. Yeah. Uh, they bring me in. I do a residency, like maybe a week, three days to a week. Just different grade levels. I teach them how to write and enjoy poetry. Do little fun games, activities with them. Writing prompts. You know, things of that nature. That's and, awesome. And talk about what I do. So it, it, it's really cool, man. I've just really been going hard. Uh, we got to finish this week. I hit, I not go virtual doors. Right. And I'm, I'm sending, hey, this is my information. Uh, this is what I do. Yeah. And yeah, and all, but also work with the uh, Metropolitan Arts Council. They have a program called Smart Arts. So they contract me as well to go to Greenville schools. Yeah. You know, so. Is it, so is it like uh, middle school, high school? Elementary. Elementary. School, high school, yeah, all that. Nice. That's great. Yeah, I, I got an opportunity one time, this was while we were living down in Florida, um, to teach comic book writing. To oh, do that. A little, little, little workshop on doing some comic book writing. Um, a buddy of mine who's a comic book artist came down and he took the kids who were more art-centered and he sort of ran them through the paces and uh, we did... Um, it was a day long. It was a day long um, sort of s- series of seminars where I did um, I did a presentation to the college on uh, the history of the comic book industry, mm. which um, some fascinating elements there in terms of censorship, in terms of uh, parents rising up against questionable content, wow. and burning books in the streets not long after World War II. Yeah, they were burning that. books. That's crazy. Um, and then, you know, looking at uh, the digital age, you know, all the way into the digital age uh, with the movies and television and digital comics and all that stuff. Um, so we did we did that. That was, you know, that first seminar, the history of the comic book industry. And then from all the kids that were there, we sort of broke them into two groups. I took the writers and my buddy Mike took the artists. And That's then dope, we uh, we sort of put them through the paces a little bit and sort of gave them you know very a very very abridged version of like here's how it works and then we brought them all back together for a panel uh, with me um, my buddy Mike and his agent um, and my artist who was working on the comic book with me the first adventures on Earth with Adam and Steve um, the four of us were on that panel to answer to answer questions you know That's from. Dope. From a writing perspective, from a veteran artist, from a first-time artist, and from an agent. Um, and so from there, we did a panel where they could just ask us questions, and we just riff, you know, well, I say riff, we, you know, answer them, but, you know, discuss that whole process. And then at the end, we actually had sort of a contest of, like, present your artwork, present your script, uh, present your ideas, make your pitch, and, and we'll produce your book. And one young lady had uh, some great art and a really solid story. It was 
congratulations here's your contract you're on board wow. and it was a it was a really it was a really fun day and i was that sounds uh, cool man. yeah it was a lot of fun but like writing comics is it's so different because as a comic book writer you're having to write for an audience of one right you're right. writing for your artist your artist is the one who visually interprets everything that you just said in on the page but there has to be such a delicate balance of art with conveying the story um to get that final product and you know looking at how how scripts work in terms of pacing and uh dialogue as it bounces between characters and how that works on a page how it sounds in your own head versus how it works on a page and for someone else to read it and how it bounces off of their off their ears it's such a fascinating it's such a fascinating medium um you know i i really i really enjoy that it's very difficult um because it's not like it's not like film and it's not like stage play although it has elements of both um there's narrative to be sure so it's not like but it's not like prose you know, um, and there's a certain rhythm to it, so it's like poetry, but it's definitely right. not poetry. Right. And you can have you can have comedy in it, but it's not stand up either. It is it is a unique art form in that it is right. such a such a melding of different things into something wholly unique unto itself. Right. I love it though. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And I've you know, the people that do it and do it well, <clears throat> I imagine much like comedy. Uh, much like poetry, you know, it's when when it works, man, does it work? It really works. But I've read I've read enough to know doesn't yeah, always I, work. I love the little small <laughs> comic book shops that still exist, man. That shows that people still yes. interested in reading reading actually the physical. Yeah, Hand, yeah, yeah hand, handling saying. handling paper and ink and staples. It's beautiful, holding man. it in I your hand. It. I don't get me wrong. I have a digital collection that would rival most people, but like. That's because I'm married. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't have 30 long boxes right. <laughs> stuffed under the bed. How's that for a slice of fried gold?